Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride in the NBA and NHL hitting mid-season form. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four. BetOnline has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played from MMA to international soccer. Head to the BetOnline website today or application to remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the California Sports Lawyer podcast. We talk about entertainment, media, and sports law topics. As always, appreciate you being with us and making us the number one sports law podcast in the world. As I mentioned, I'm your host, Jeremy Evans. And uh, this is episode 47 of uh, season five. We're coming up on um, on season six here pretty shortly. Uh, pretty amazing that uh, we're already six seasons into this. But as always, appreciate you listening in. We have an interesting episode today uh, where we're talking about a trend that I've been noticing and I guess many folks have been noticing, but it's something that I, I had picked up on and wanted to write about and um, and also wanted to talk about on this podcast. And it's this idea that um, sort of shared content and streaming platforms are replacing exclusivity or maybe better stated would be shared content and streaming platforms are looking for inclusivity in the sense that they're looking to share content uh, in the distribution sense. And we're going to give some examples of this and uh, and also discuss why this is happening. And this is, of course, happening in the entertainment, film, and television industry. Um, so really across Hollywood and really wherever there is streaming. It is not necessarily true for the sports aspect. Uh, there's definitely exclusivity there when you're um, licensing copyright content for, let's say, watching an NFL game or NHL game. Uh, but there is definitely not exclusivity when it comes to one station, one television channel, one streaming platform having access to a sports uh, program, a sports game, right? So, for example, when NASCAR just signed its deal, uh, when the NFL and the NBA and Major League Baseball signed its deals, you have a mix of platforms, right? You know, you might have TNT one night, you might have ABC the next night, NBC the next night. Uh, ESPN, Fox, right? Uh, Apple, um, even Netflix has had a few sports events. Um, obviously, Amazon, right? Clearly, there's a lot of these platforms that are including this content. Uh, but it, so it's it's not exclusive in the sense that the NBA is only appearing on one place, but it is exclusive in the sense that those certain games are only appearing on that one platform generally. Sometimes you have some other options if you have any sort of um, non-direct-to-consumer streaming. So if you have any, uh, let's say, uh, 
linear television options, you might have those at the same time. Of course, this doesn't include radio, uh, if you will. So, um, which is obviously not uh, sort of the visual content of, of that way, right? Uh, so it, it's interesting. Um, it's, and I would say that, you know, you might even see sports content on a platform like Spotify, which obviously includes, um, you know, some, um, you know, so, some podcast, if you will, and some more longer form content. I think the problem is, is that the content is so expensive. Uh, with regard to sports. But as we focus more back on the entertainment aspect, generally the history of entertainment has been that, you know, you sort of had this thing where, you know, you had linear television and then that sort of next thing you know, you had streaming. And of course the streaming was very uh, specific, meaning that either the streaming platforms, you know, were creating their own content and then distributing it and not selling it anywhere else, or they were, um, buying other content and putting it on the platform. And the later aspect of that is really what's happening now in the sense that a lot of uh, what's been going on uh, of late is this sort of more shared content where uh, you have certain platforms looking to license their content and or put other people's content on their platforms, their streaming platforms, uh, to sell it, to make more money, to get it in front of more more people. And uh, that was not always the case. So let's break this down a little bit about why this is happening. So you have these studios and streamers who are pushing for, um, had been you know had been pushing for exclusive content and contracts, um, and it's beginning to see sort of less prevalence in deals as distributors um, number one see more platform competition. So you know ultimately you don't want to be siloed into one platform. Many consumers would prefer to have access to all content, but they're limited from the price standpoint because they can only handle three or four platforms. And frankly, the attention span can only handle that much, right? Uh, for, um, for, for most humans, right? And so I think part of this change is based on the practicality of a changing industry and also consumer demands. Another is the increasing library of content and the logistics to host and distribute that content, which will break down. And let me give you an example of this. So uh, Netflix co-CEO Ted Sarandos, um, who is um, obviously very well known uh, in his role as the co-CEO of, of Netflix, was recently at a UBS Global Media and Communications Conference uh, in early December of 23. And he had this to say, quote, they, studios, always built their studios to license. The unnatural state was kind of forced vertical integration. So there will there will be opportunities for us to license. The same should take place on the movie front, where Netflix is moving beyond producing its own original films to create a content vault to licensing more titles from others. End quote. What does Sarandis mean by this? Well, ultimately, what he's saying is is that when Netflix first started, they were they didn't have content, right? They were they were essentially a DVD company that was sending out movies to people on DVDs. And then eventually that led to a streamer and eventually that led to let's create our own content or original content, if you will. Well, in the beginning, they didn't really have a lot of it, but now that they have a lot of it, they're willing to license it to other platforms. And of course, now that they have more content, they're willing to license it to other platforms. So it's very interesting, the trajectory of this and, and sort of how it's come about. There was also a quote that I pulled from 
the um, Hollywood Reporter, and um, the author of the 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 article talks about you know bundles involving Netflix, which they're going to be working with Amazon, and bundles involving Apple, which they're going to be working with Paramount, suggest that some players have largely avoided discounting or wholesale offers, uh, maybe warming up to the idea and partnering with their legacy media competitors to stay in the game. So it's interesting. So here what Hollywood Reporter is saying is, is that companies like Netflix and, and Apple were usually very, very strict on their content being distributed. And it was only appearing on Netflix or Apple. Very rarely would appear somewhere else. But what's happening now is Netflix is saying, let me partner with Verizon and offer a bundle to where it's if you're a Verizon customer, you get a discount and you get discounts to multiple platforms, uh, which is something new because uh, I think Verizon also offers a Max, um, formerly HBO Max, uh, access as well for a discounted price. And Apple, which has been very exclusive, is now looking to work with Paramount. And of course, look, this makes sense, right? Paramount has a lot of content. Apple does not necessarily have a lot of content. Apple has a very well-recognized or at least a more recognized streamer, um, at least in terms of its access to mobile devices. Uh, Paramount Plus um, has not been, other than the Yellowstone series and the 1883 and 1923 series and a few others, um, you know, it's really not been one of the bigger platforms. But you get these two together and you have an opportunity. And of course, Verizon isn't creating content, but it's putting people, it's putting their content into people's phones uh, because of this deal with Verizon, right? So very interesting. And by the way, when uh, Ted Sarandos was talking about sort of this vertical integration, what he was talking about there is in the beginning when all of these sort of plus platforms were coming out, you had Apple Plus and Paramount Plus and Disney Plus, ultimately it was only going to be a few studios who are going to be able to survive that, right? And there was this sort of push for four, as, as Sarandis talks about, forced vertical integration, where you had a studio saying, "Okay, now we want to control distribution through 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 a uh, streaming platform," and of course, some of those didn't work out so well. And of course, some of them are never going to have the amount of subscribers as Netflix or Amazon or what have you. But I think by working together, there is some um, some availability for that for for having more access to people. So, of course, again, the conclusion here is, is that companies like Netflix are not only licensing content to distribute, which includes many of their original um, films and series, but they're also licensing um, uh, content onto their platform. So taking other titles, putting on their platform. And, of course, the other key piece of this is that there's multiple opportunities to do this because now you have premium and also add the ad tier. So it used to be that the ad tier was not included, but now the ad tier options are being included. So I think, and you know, we've talked about this on this podcast many times. I've written about it many times that eventually it was going to come to a point if the industry was going to be successful is that they're going to have to look to where uh, look to ways to share content. And, and I think that that's happening now. So why is this happening other than the reasons that we discussed? Well, for one, Netflix, Apple, and other content libraries are growing. And with the increased concern, so that's a point in itself, right? Content libraries are growing. Clearly, there needs to be a place to put this. 
yes, you could put it all on your one platform, but when the libraries get that deep, you know, eventually it's, you know, it'd be no different than walking into a physical library and, and seeing, um, you know, books at the front, you know, as opposed to the books in the way back. Well, think of that in the sense of titles for films and series, you know, the stuff that you're not seeing at the top or that you're not, you know, you don't have the name to search for, you know, you're mostly going off what the algorithm is telling you to watch. Right. And so, uh, it's very interesting. This is, of course, why when people tell you a show to watch or when people ask for uh, recommendations, it becomes very important, right? And a show can become very popular from that. And the film and television business has always been this way, by the way, because sometimes a film will come out. It wasn't a big budget film, but people watch it. It gets great reviews and people talk about it. And with social media, it, it sort of goes viral. And next thing you know, people are watching it. So... Again, these two aspects are happening. There's a larger library, um, uh, which is important. And then, of course, um, people are looking to get more distribution out there, right? And a part of this is a logistical concern because as these content libraries grow, there is a logistical and cost concern of where to host that content. So there's been some criticism in Hollywood, particularly amongst um, the talent, so the writers and uh, directors and actors, as to some content, uh, some titles disappearing from streamers. And folks are saying, well, no, we need to keep these things on here. We need to continue to um, you know, have them. Of course, this is why there was uh, the sort of new call for DVDs and uh, having more access to, uh, to content, particularly um, where we're sort of going back to an old technology because if music disappears from a platform, where do you get access to it? You know, it's, it's sort of interesting. It's similar in the music business. It's why you get vinyls or uh, CDs, right? In the sense that maybe you always have access to them in case you don't. And of course, not every song is licensed on Spotify or Pandora. Uh, and so you have to have access to this music if you want access to it in another way. Of course, um, to me, this really seems like this idea that, you know, content being shared it sort of follows the equivalent comparison of a, of a film, right? Because so film is released in theater, then it moves to a streamer, and then it somehow moves to a linear television channel. That was usually the case. Obviously, prior to streaming, it would literally go from the theater, then it would go to linear television, then it would go to DVD or something like that, right? So it's just having these multiple levels of distribution, which I think are important for content. And of course, look, there's money at each stage. Uh, to make to make money off these things, but there's also fans to be had, uh, new eyeballs on content because people are exper experiencing it or re-experiencing. You know, it obviously you know there's a lot of lot of films and titles out there that you'll rewatch, television shows that you'll rewatch years later, that sort of thing. The point of this is that library of titles make money wherever and whenever it's distributed. So the second thing is is that it's a timing issue. There's just simply more content now. Right as we talked about, the third reason is is the point that um, that uh, the Netflix co CEO had mentioned, uh, Ted Sarandos, and he's talked about this idea that um, as vertical integration came to a slow uh, for streaming activation, um, these companies were not as successful, right? And so once the streamers realized their um, their fate and what was going to be happening, they moved on to licensing and partnerships. This is sort of what's happening with Paramount and some of these other platforms. And of course, at this stage, many of the streaming uh, platforms are realizing that they need each other to survive and share content. 
And of course, a good comparison might be if you wanted to share content on a social media platform, but only had access to one, that might be a problem, right? So it's 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 a simple comparison, but if you wanted to share something and said, "Oh, I can only post it on LinkedIn," "Oh, I can post," "I can only post it on Instagram or Twitter uh, or Facebook," you know, you clearly want to post on all of them, right? And you want to have access to all of them, TikTok or whatever else it is. So I want to give some examples of this. One recent example of success in shared streaming content is the hit series Suits, right? So legal, you know, sort of drama. The series was originally an NBC Universal asset, but it found new life on Netflix, and particularly while streaming. And I think part of this was the fact that it was a good series. Of course, let's start there. It is a good series. A lot of people do appreciate it. I think there was also some serious promotion by Netflix to put this at the top. Uh, and of course, because this was not a Netflix property and with the strikes going on with the WGA and SAG-AFTRA and this promotion of it being at the top, people clearly picked it up and watched it. And of course, because the content was good, people continued to watch it. Of course, so those those are you know key aspects that the content has to be good. It also has to be available, right? And of course, the fact that it was new and folks who had subscribed to Netflix hadn't seen it before. Clearly, this made for uh, for a recipe for success. Netflix has also signed one pay one deals with Sony and Universal, which um, pay one deal basically gives exclusive rights to projects and streaming distribution for a period of time. So if, essentially, Netflix is saying if Sony releases a certain film, I'm sure this is all described in the contract, Universal, if you release a certain film, we get exclusive rights to distribute that for a period of time. So even though it's exclusive to Netflix for a period of time, still it's it's growth in the sense that Netflix and Sony and Universal are all working together to to distribute this, to use Netflix as its distributor. So very interesting. If anything, the streamers in some sense have become like the old linear television channels where they would license content onto the platform, right? Onto the channel, if you will. Another example, which is very interesting, is Cobra Kai. This is, of course, the movie from Sony, but this started out on Netflix as a, as a series and prior to that on YouTube. And, of course, this is all based on the 1980s film's Karate Kid, uh, which was Columbia Pictures, which, of course, is owned by Sony. So I think you know entertainment and film fans are often looking for new content to consume, right? Hit shows are often being uh, rediscovered and loved again. And this is why a content library should be built to be licensed and relicensed, as uh, Ted Serranos was talking about with Netflix. So a streamer or a studio can only produce so much content, right? It's going to be limited by production cost, limited by time, space, all that. And, of course, you can't have every piece of content. Nobody's going to watch every piece of content. So it's going to be tempered by cost and timing and storage and distribution logistics, right? So finding partners is essential in this. And of course, uh, the life of an entertainment asset, film or, or series, is one that can be reimagined by new generations. New generation picks it up. They like it. It's no different than the music business. You know, people talk about careers of musicians that last for 50, 60, 70 years, or even when they're passed away and people are still listening to their music. This is the idea that the 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 content is transcendent. It uh it can be reimagined or viewed by a new generation differently or appreciated differently or made new. This is often why Hollywood does remakes. 
right? I think some people would, um, you know, not be too happy with a lot of the remakes, but um, I think ultimately, I think the remakes are, you know, it's interesting because sometimes you'll even watch a remake and not know it's a remake. You know, you'll watch, uh, for example, Thomas Crown Affair. Uh, the newer newer film is with uh, Pierce Brosnan, but the older film um, was obviously back, I think, in the 1970s. And, um, uh, you know, obviously a very, uh, a very popular film. And, um, and at the time, you know, I remember watching the, the Thomas Crown Affair and thinking, oh, this is a great film. And, um, you know, ultimately like, oh, you know, not really thinking, um, you know, sort of where, um, you know, where it had come from. But Steve McQueen started in the first one in 1968. And of course, Pierce Brosnan started the next one, I think in, um, I want to say it was in the two, uh, the two thousands, but, um, uh, I'll get the exact date on that, uh, on that one. Oh, 1999. So, uh, 1968, 1999, of course, that's a full generation, right? So in some ways folks who were maybe younger didn't know. Right. So again, my whole point in this is that content can be transcendent. Um, it can find a new place to live. It can be reimagined, um, the life of an entertainment asset is one that can be, you know, again, reimagined by new generations. And it's often based on original intellectual property sitting on a proverbial shelf, right? Um, sitting in a library somewhere. And as well, added licensing um, content means more dollars for the content owner, the licensee, and added benefit to the consumer because there's now this whole sort of entertainment library for folks to watch. But that's one of the trends that's going on right now, folks. You know, just I think we're seeing more shared content, more partnerships, which I think is great for the consumer. And uh, we'll sort of see where this takes us. But uh, again, appreciate listening in. This episode has been brought to you by Bet Online. As always, uh, you know, appreciate you making us the number one sports law podcast in the world for three years running. This is the California Sports Lawyer Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Evans. I look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.